We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing. Make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? For the rest of the world. You guys hear that? Welcome to the show, everybody. I am your host, Tony Merkel, and I am really glad that you're here. And I'm really glad to be here. Today, we have a special co-host coming back today, my wife, Lindsay Merkel. How are you, dear? I'm doing well. It's nice to be back. It's good to have you back. It's been a while since you were here. I think the last time you were on is when we did the first Trending from the Fringe segment. Since then, we did one with Tony Wozencraft, but now you're back today because we're doing... Trending from the Fringe. Absolutely. But before we get into Trending from the Fringe... Let's let people know where they can find us next Saturday, Linz. So on April 29th, we are going to be in Cannonburg, Pennsylvania at the Frank Saris Library from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Tony has actually been asked to speak there. Yes, I have been asked to speak there. Uh, what they want me to do is talk about my group that I started about two, three years ago in 2015, whenever that was, I guess two years ago. Uh, but I started a group called Pennsylvania Sasquatch Research back in 2015, and it's grown pretty well since then. We're over a thousand members, but, uh, they want me to introduce, you know, PSR to the local community out there and then just kind of share some of my thoughts on Bigfoot. Uh, after I do that and kind of share some things about what I think what Bigfoot is and things like that, um, we're actually going to be doing a live interview right there on stage with uh, one of my good friends, Dave Groves. Dave, most of you that are in the Bigfoot community listening right now probably heard of Dave Groves. Dave Groves had a sensational Bigfoot encounter in northeastern Pennsylvania, and uh, it's actually one of the best Bigfoot encounters I've ever heard out of the state of Pennsylvania. It's in my top two easily. And so I'm really excited to actually interview Dave for the very first time right there live in front of everybody there. So it's going to be a good time. I'm really excited about it. And I really hope that if, if you're within an hour's drive of there and you have nothing else to do, please just come on out, hang out, you know, get to meet me and Lindsay and Dave. And uh, the host of the uh, event is Frank Saris Library. And they actually asked Doug Waller to come speak there. And then Doug kind of relayed the invitation to me and D uh, Dave. So 
you know, I'm really grateful for this opportunity. I've never really had this opportunity before to speak uh, in a public setting. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So uh, with that said, Lindsay, let's get into turning from the fringe. And then we're going to have a big announcement after that. So let's do this. Yes. Okay. So we have three articles that we uh, pulled up for this segment. Um, and then as Tony said, after we're done the third article, we have some really exciting news that we want to share. Uh, so the first one is uh, Saturn Moon able to support life. This is actually from uh, a NASA announcement, I believe last week sometime, I think it was April 13th, uh, NASA announced that they now believe that Saturn's moon, Enceladus, is capable of supporting life. Wow. So, yeah, that's that's a big announcement. Um, they're not sure that there is life there, but they're just saying that they believe that, that it could possibly support life because it's reflective of some things that they found on Earth, you know, it reflects some of the ocean environments on our Earth. Uh, so let me explain that a little bit better. So Enceladus, Enceladus is Saturn's moon, and it's ice encrusted. Um, but what they found is that beneath that ice, there's a subsurface that's all ocean. And so they used this Cassini probe to to get in there and test the waters. And the chemical analysis from that probe, it actually suggests that the seafloor of Enceladus has these hot fluid vents that are emitting heated water. Uh, and that was really significant because we have the same kind of hydrothermal vents in our oceans. And for whatever reason, I'm sure there's scientific explanations that I'm just not really aware of. Um, but for whatever reason, these hydrothermal vents in our own oceans just are teeming with life forms. Um, I actually found a, a fact here. There's those hydrothermal vent zones. They have a density of organisms that are 10,000 to 100,000 times greater than the surrounding seafloor. So they're like little microorganisms or, you know, slightly larger forms of life. They just kind of flock to these heat vents. And what I think NASA wants to do next is obviously find out, do these vents on Enceladus actually have life around them? Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, uh, you know, I never really spent a whole lot of time thinking about life outside this earth, you know. Uh, but, you know, there's if the environment is right, you know, who knows, you know, if there could be just, you know, small bacteria, because I mean, that's just proof that there could be life out there if the uh, situation is right. So that's really interesting. It almost feels random that, okay, we have Earth and then, you know, eight or nine other planets. I don't know if they, they count Pluto anymore. I'm sorry, Pluto. But then you just have this random moon of a planet that might actually have life on it. I mean, it's just, it feels random, but I don't know. It's really interesting. I guess it, it's kind of a gateway to, okay, but if this one has life, you know, what possible other forms out there or, or you know, planetary bodies could have life as well, potentially, that we just haven't found yet? Yeah, that's true. What else you got? Uh, okay, so our next topic here is um, there's a study that's been done recently, and it hasn't been released yet, but it will be coming out, I believe, around June. Uh, this study finds that 55% of nurses that were surveyed have reported that they've experienced paranormal phenomenon while on the job. So it's, like I said, it's a new report. It's coming out by the Journal of Scientific Exploration. It comes out quarterly, so I'm assuming it'll be out maybe around June to take a, a better look at it. And basically what they did was they, they questioned 100 nurses throughout these eight Argentinian hospitals, and out of those 100 nurses, there were there were 55 that said that they had experienced a paranormal event while they were working, while they were on the job. Um, the most common things that they reported was, uh, one, a feeling of presences. Uh, 
They reported hearing strange noises, voices, or dialogues actually going back and forth. They were intuitively also aware sometimes of what disease that patients had before it was, you know, diagnosed or before it had been revealed to them. So kind of some kind of precognition. Yeah. So it's interesting. I I really want to read the full report. Um, But these, again, were the most common things that they that were reported. Um, I'm definitely I think a hospital is I think also the article kind of points to it's almost like you know, maybe in that hospital area, there's a very thin veil, obviously, between this life and the next. People are sick. People are dying. And they almost want to try to see if they can segue this into a study of, of necro-neuroscience, which is basically, I guess, you know, your your neurons and your neural pathways and your brain, what it, what it goes through after death. Obviously, there's not a whole lot of things we know of from after death because after death, you can't really come back and give a report of what happened after you died. But I think they're trying to use this as a way to kind of as a guide almost to what happens after death or or immediately before death that we might not be aware of yet. Wow, that's that's pretty incredible because, I mean, if you think about not just hospitals, but you also have, you know, hospice and there's a lot of like different um medical facilities where death is uh, an issue. Mm -hmm. And I'd be really interested to to see a more in-depth maybe study or, um, you know, questionnaire as to, you know, where all these uh, locations are as far as, like, is it just hospitals or is it hospice? Is it, you know, whatever? I would be really interested to see that because uh, it makes sense that, you know, you're going to have nurses and doctors experiencing that stuff because how many times do you hear somebody say there's a ghost in my house because you know 50 years ago somebody died here you know i was in somebody's house who said there were seven people that died in that house and there were seven ghosts in that house and naturally they related the two together so um yeah i mean that's very interesting that uh the nurses are experiencing things i'll, I'll be interested to talking to the nurses too and seeing how they feel about the whole paranormal realm and, you know, after their experiences, does it frighten them? Does it make them, you know, feel more informed or what, you know? Yeah, I would love to know. I mean, I'm going to post um, all of the articles that we're sharing now on our social media this week. But but yeah, if there are any nurses that are listening that that have had this experience, or even if you hadn't, just I would love to know either way. Like, hey, what, what in your personal experience have you... Um, experienced, basically, whether paranormal or not. Um, And it's not just death. I mean, they also reported that there were, you know, miraculous healings that they had witnessed and things like that. So it's it's a whole realm of things that it's, you know, kind of little little known. Um, But I guess this is the first big study to really address what what nurses have experienced in in a hospital setting. Yeah, that's I mean, it just makes sense to me. It just does. I mean, the whole the whole thing with a hospital and hospice and all that stuff. And there I are mean, so many pictures you can find online of, um, you know, a lot of them are of, you know, somebody captured a, a guardian angel in a hospital photo or something. And then there's the other side of things where there's some, you know, dark creature hovering over someone's bed. It's just, I don't know, this really interests me. And I really want to, again, the study is from the Journal of Scientific Exploration coming out soon. I'd really love to see, you know, what exactly is captured. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about that and you talk about, you know, miracles happening and seeing light figures and dark figures and things like that, I mean, 
I don't know. It just kind of like lends to the whole idea of the spiritual warfare going on around us that we can't even see within that dimension. And again, it's almost like in these settings where it's a thinness between this world and the next, it seems to be prevalent, at least in this small study. That's really interesting. Now, I'm thinking, I wonder if anybody has ever done any active uh, studies and maybe, I don't want to say paranormal research. I feel like that that kind of categorizes what I'm thinking, but like somebody really going into active hospitals, like you know your the local hospital that's being used, and doing some kind of like study in there, because it just seems like, like you said that 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 thin veil between this world and the next, and that being almost like I, I, don't, I hate to use the word portal, but kind of like that idea of you know there there's an opening, you know, and I'd be really interested in hear if anybody has ever done any kind of real active research at an active hospital. And I would be interested to hear what they have to say about that. Uh, What else do you got going on with the last story? Yeah, our final story. uh, This one is also um, in the news recently. So it's the headline is missing student leaves behind locked room covered in coded writing. Uh, but there's way more to it than than just that title would suggest. So it's basically in Brazil, there was this student who has been described in the article as an alien enthusiast. And he has disappeared. And what they found after he disappeared was that he had taken his room, which you know, just about 30 days before this happened. He he was last seen March 27th, um, but he had completely transformed his room from a normal room to this almost like a shrine to to alien life. And, and he has basically papered his whole room with these coded messages that he created. And he's got um, symbols of Illuminati and Satanism and things kind of incorporated throughout the room. And he created, it looks like, I think they said 14 notebooks, again, of coded messages that he created that, um, I guess, point to alien life or I'm not really sure. No one, I don't think, has really cracked the code that he's put out, uh, you know, in his entire room. Um, but in, like I said, his in about 30 days, so his parents went on a trip is what the story was. And when they came back, his room was just completely changed to and there's a video we're going to again post the article on our social media this week there's a video that shows his room it's really bizarre um but it's also really i mean he really put a lot of work into this as well um coded from floor to ceiling with coded messages he also bought an enormous statue of giordano bruno who I believe I'm trying to find the information here he he was the first person who was kind of predicting that extraterrestrial life existed. So he's the first person to really bring aliens to the forefront and make them a, a possibility. Um, so he has a, an enormous statue of this 16th century alien hunter, is what he's called here. And it's just so bizarre, but it's really interesting at the same time. He he has a portrait of himself with an alien. And it just, I don't know. I mean, his family is worried, obviously, but... It's really interesting. And now, again, he's he's gone. Like, he did this. It was a really involved project. And now he's disappeared. And people are suspecting. I mean, some people are thinking, was he abducted by these aliens that he's been so obsessed with? Um, or what what's happened to him? Yeah, you know, it, it makes me feel like 
he didn't come up with that code. It was given to him, you know, and uh, listen, I mean, that's very suspicious. That's very, very suspicious. I mean, in one month, he, I saw the video and when people see what, how detailed this is, they're going to see that doesn't seem like somebody that in a month could come up with a code that nobody can crack, write it all over the place in a month. To me, it seems like he was given this code and I don't know, you know, what all went into it, obviously, but, uh, you know, it's a story that I want to keep an eye on and I'm betting we're never going to see a follow-up article on it. Probably not. I mean, I keep checking as well. I did find a a Reddit post where somebody actually put like a play-by-play together of everything that happened kind of beforehand leading up to this disappearance and now, you know, everything that's been reported so far. Um, but again, I mean, it's not it's not really detailed and he hasn't been found yet, um, but I might post this as well on, on Facebook and Twitter just to kind of give you – um, an outline, a pretty good outline, actually, of what happened, um, how he had changed recently before he started, you know, this this project on his room. Um, I think in January, he also reported to someone, uh, maybe in his family, that he had had an out-of-body experience. Um, so this has been coming. I mean, it wasn't just out of the blue and within 30 days, he was one person to the next. But within this 30 days is when he he launched this enormous coded project that he's now left behind in his room. Um, and there was one article actually where supposedly someone um, believes they may have cracked some of it. A Brazilian computer expert thinks that he cracked one page of, of one of the documents. Um, so I, I don't know if that's correct. I don't know what he used, what method he used to kind of break that code. Um, but let me, I'm going to read a passage of what um, this this missing student wrote in one of his, his coded books. So it says, uh, supposedly, again, it says, it is easy to accept what you have been taught since childhood and what is wrong. It is difficult as an adult to understand that you were wrongly taught what you suspected was correct since you were a child. In other words, if you fit into the system, your behavior will be determined, making you at the mercy of beliefs already provided and well-established in dogmas and rituals with the masses. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not really sure what to make of that, but if that is, in fact, what it says, I can't even imagine what the rest of the books say and what they reveal. Yeah, and here's the thing. It took somebody highly educated with a computer to crack one page of how many notebooks was it? Twelve? Fourteen. Fourteen notebooks. That's a lot of that's a lot of uh code to get through. So that's what I mean. I, I don't think I don't think he came up with this code. Mm-hmm. I think it was given to him. And even that, if you listen to what it, it's being said, it, it could sound like something that is being told to him and not necessarily him speaking of his own mind. So uh yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's really interesting. Yeah, it's a bizarre story, and I, I'm gonna at least keep an eye on it. All right, awesome. Thanks for uh, coming up with those stories, Linz, because uh, you have a lot more time than I do to uh, do the reading of the articles and research. And you did a great job with that one. So let's get to the big news of the day, Linz. What do we got going on? Okay, so for the last week on our Facebook and Twitter pages, we've been hinting that there is a special reveal coming in episode 14. Well, it's episode 14. It's finally here. And what we're really excited to announce to you tonight is for those of you who love the confessionals, you love listening to episodes, you're a fan of our Twitter and Facebook pages, and that that one episode a week is just not enough, um, you want more, 
we're now going to be offering memberships. Yes, and I'm really excited about this. I'm excited about having the opportunity to provide you with more content. It's going to be a lot of fun. Linz, what are some of the sections on the website that we're going to be offering members? So first up, one of the things we're going to offer to you, the members only, are members only episodes. Yeah, I'm really excited about the member only episodes. And basically, it's just that. It's going to be members-only episodes where you have access to episodes that nobody else has access to. So we're still going to do the free episode every Saturday night, beyond a shadow of doubt, hands down, that's always going to be there. But for the members, they're going to have access to episodes on the side that nobody else has access to. I'm going to start you off with at least two episodes right away when you sign up. You're going to see there's going to be two episodes in there that nobody else has ever heard before, and you're going to have access to that. And then on top of it, we're going to provide you with at least one new episode a month after that. So that's something that I'm really excited about doing. We are also going to be offering along with member episodes our video interviews of the episodes. Yeah. And see, what happens is when I'm doing interviews with people, I shoot video. And if they have video on their end, we shoot video together. And when that kind of coincides and we have video of the person I'm interviewing and myself, I'm going to be making a video interview segment where you guys can kind of turn on the video and watch us do the interview that you heard on the show. And what's really cool about that is a lot of times when you're listening to these interviews on podcasts and stuff, you're, you're picturing the person's face based off of their emotions. You hear their emotions in how they're telling their story, and you're trying to picture, you know, what's their body language like? Well, now you're going to be able to see that on video. So I'm really excited about it because, you know, it, it kind of just tells a whole other side of a story a lot of times when you actually get to see the person right there telling the story that has impacted their life so much. So yeah, video interviews, it's going to be awesome. Another thing, uh, something we really love about the confessionals is that we, we really get to interact with you guys, you know, whether it's recording the interview or on our social media pages or through email, we get to interact with you. And so something we're going to be offering to members is another way to interact and connect uh, through live hangouts. Yeah, live hangouts. It's going to be basically a, a video stream that I set up that you guys can kind of click on to and hop on and have a live chat with me where you can kind of like leave comments and stuff and ask me questions right there live and I can answer them. It's just going to be a great way for you guys to kind of communicate with me, with me right there in person live. And I'm really excited about that. We're going to do that once a month where say two weeks from now, I'll schedule a time where we can kind of all come on and do a live video hangout. I'll be shooting video. You guys can kind of hop in the chat room, talk away amongst each other, ask me questions, and we can just kind of hang out and get to know each other on a more personal level. And for a way for you to kind of get um, maybe a more behind-the-scenes look or just some extra content, some extra interviews, uh, we have a section titled On the Road. Yeah, On the Road. Listen, everywhere I go, I talk about this show. And that's honestly God truth. Every day I'm talking about this show to people wherever I meet them. And we're going to be doing festivals and things like that where we're going to be setting up vendor tables. And at those festivals, there's tons of people. And I'm a talker. And so I'm going to be talking to people about the show, introducing things to them. And I'm going to be asking them, have you ever experienced anything on the fringe side of life? And if they say yes, which a lot of people do say yes when I ask them that question, I'm going to ask them if it's okay if I record them sharing their story on the road, hence the name. So basically, you're going to have access to everything outside the studio in this section. So this, there's going to be video, there's going to be audio of me interviewing people out and about 
and their stories, real person, real life stories of people and their experiences. These are people every day, everyday people that you just run into that you wouldn't even know they had a paranormal experience because you don't ask. I'm the kind of guy that asks those questions. And so when I'm out and about, I'll be asking people to share their stories. And as long as they say, yeah, sure, we'll be uh, recording and putting that up for the members to listen to. And I have a couple stories already done. And it's really, it's really a lot of fun. And also to uh, maybe up the spooky factor in some cases, or just to give you some some more content for your listening pleasure, we're also going to be offering dramatic readings of stories. Yeah, and the dra- dramatic readings are kind of like um, the creepy pastas that you see on YouTube and stuff, where th- somebody's reading a story or they're telling you a story, and they put the creepy background music in there, and they put they add the sound effects and things like that. We actually did one of those for the first episode of The Confessionals, and a lot of people really enjoyed it. And so this section is going to be all that. So Lindsay will read a story, or I'll have somebody come over to the house to read a story, and I'll put the sound effects in, I'll put the audio in, and we're going to make a whole production out of it so that it's, it's fun to listen to. So on top of listening to the member episodes, on top of listening to the episodes that come out once a week for free, you're going to have access to this kind of listening material too on your way to work or way home from work or whatever. You're going to have access to these awesome stories that are going to be probably between five to 15 minutes long, I'd say on average. And it's just going to be a fun way to listen to these stories and kind of get that creepy factor a little bit. So, yeah. And then keeping going through our list here, we have something else that just right now, it's just tentatively titled The Vlog. Yeah, the vlog is going to probably be named something eventually. Maybe you guys as members will be able to help me come up with a name. But uh, basically, uh, the vlog is going to be my way of communicating with you guys once a week on the behind the scenes of what's going on with the show, you know, and my life. It's just going to be your way to connect with me on a more personal level that isn't the live hangout because a lot of people are going to, you know, maybe not be able to tune in for the live hangout once the live hangout's done. That's it, you know? So the vlog is going to be a way for people, whether they're able to do it right there in person or not, be able to tune in on their schedule and just kind of see what's going on behind the scenes. You know, what what's going on with the confessionals? What's going on with Tony and Lindsay's life? You know, what's new? It's, if you guys have um, questions that you'd like to submit, just shoot them through the email. I'd love to answer questions on the vlog and just kind of like build that community and that, that connection with you guys on a uh, more organized way you know, with the vlog. I'm not a blogger. I don't write. So the vlog is going to be a really good way for me to kind of connect with you guys in a more organized way. And then finally, this one doesn't, might not sound very paranormal, might not make sense, <laughs> but Tony will explain it. The, the last thing that we'll be offering is something called Mad Monday. Yeah, Mad Monday is something that has nothing to do with paranormal. It has nothing to do with the show or anything like that, but it has everything to do with building a community of people. And that's what I really enjoy doing. That's why I'm really excited about the memberships because it's going to be an exclusive community of people that I get to really relate to on a personal level. And this is going to be kind of like an open doorway for me to kind of help build the camaraderie. Uh, Mad Monday is an acronym. It stands for Make a Difference Monday. And it's something that I thought of a few months ago. And basically, you know, we're all going to work on Mondays. A lot of us don't want to go to work on Mondays. You're coming off a two-day weekend and you're just, you're not feeling it. And in those moments, I find it very helpful to go out of your way and help somebody else because it kind of takes the attention off you and the blues, your Monday blues. 
kind of negates that. And so Mad Mondays is going to be an opportunity for you as members and myself to go out of our way on a Monday to help somebody else. So whether it's paying for somebody's coffee, uh, helping somebody jump their car or whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be big or small, holding a door open for somebody. I mean, really anything to go out of your way that you normally typically wouldn't do to help somebody else. That's what this is about. And so you guys can submit your stories, your pictures, your videos through email, and we'll put them up on the website for everybody else to kind of see and just kind of build that community of people who actually do care about others and go out of their way to do so. So yeah, I mean, those are some of the sections that uh, we're going to be having on the membership section. And, you know, we're always bound to add more to it over time. But that's what we're going to be starting you off with. And I'm really excited about this. Yeah. So again, to recap, what we're going to be offering to members is uh, member-only episodes, video interviews, live hangouts, on the road, dramatic readings, the vlog, and the Mad Mondays. Mad Mondays. So uh, what this is going to look like, we are aiming to launch the memberships on April 29th. That's next week. So when we air episode 15, we're also planning to launch the membership option on our website. Our website, you just go to theconfessionalspodcast.com. And to sign up, um, you would just input your information to click on the memberships tab. And what it's going to be for all of this, again, member episodes, video interviews, live hangouts, all of these things that we've listed it's $10 per month. And again, you get access to all of this additional content that, yeah. we, that we really hope you, you're going to love and you're going to want to uh, interact with us. And you can always send us suggestions to add more things or we'll add your thing that right. you email us to our members only section. And really, it's just a great way, like Tony said, to, to interact with each other and to get more out of the show. So yeah, April 29th, 2017, we're going to start the membership section on the website. Starting next Saturday, there will be a tab on the website that says log in slash sign up. And there, when you click on that, it will prompt you through the whole sign up process to become a member. And you'll be able to start enjoying and having a great experience on the membership section of the website where you'll have all that content. So I really hope you guys enjoy it. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys enjoy it. And if you have any suggestions or any kind of feedback. I would love to hear about it. Just shoot me an email at theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com or you can go to the website theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section and you can contact me that way. Without any further delay, let's get into tonight's episode. I'm really excited about bringing on Steve. Let's. We work hard at being healthier and what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 smart bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Let's get to it. Okay, tonight we have a great guest coming on with us, Steve from Wisconsin. He emailed me a few weeks ago, and I believe, Steve, you're in my Facebook group as well, right? Yes, I am. That's what I thought, because uh, when you contacted me, I believe you said that in the email, and so I went and looked you up, and I remember adding you to the group and all that stuff, so it was pretty cool to hear one of my, uh, I like to call them the OGs, the original gangsters, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the people that you know I started doing all this kind of stuff with, uh, which is really cool to hear from you. You uh, sent me an email with a lot of information, and you said in the, in the beginning of the email, you said that you had to write this stuff down anyway, so you were going to write it down there. 
and you sent yep. me all that information. And uh, at the end of the email, you said, if you're still reading, <laughs> and I, I found that so funny, man, because I was like, well, it is a long one. I think I even told you it was like a novel, but yeah. um, it was yeah. great. It was great to read through. And I believe I used the, the assistance of Siri. Yeah, also, how did she, she do? How did... <laughs> she did good. I had to speed her up because she was uh, going a little slow. But once I sped her up a little bit, she she knocked it out. And it was nice. good for me to uh, multitask that way. But um yeah, man, those those experiences that you told me about were pretty cool, and I definitely wanted to have you on the show. So basically, I guess what we're going to do tonight is we'll just start off with you telling your paranormal experiences, and then we'll walk into the UFO experiences as well, if that's if that works for you. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess um, since I have been a kid, like I've always really been uh, interested in paranormal stuff, um, probably when I was younger, it wasn't so much of a interest, like, um, like a fun interest. It was more like I was a little scared of stuff. I think most kids are, but, uh, yeah, the, the first, my first memory of anything kind of weird was when I was, um, probably somewhere in the range of like four to seven years old somewhere. Uh, it was in the, the first house that I remember living in and, when we, um, we had, it was me and my sister slept upstairs in the two bedrooms upstairs. And in the hallway, there was like, um, that old eighties, uh, shade carpeting. And, uh, I was in the, the bedroom at the end of the hall and, um, in, in the night. And I, I think it was like, uh, at times I would wake up cause this happened more than one time, but at times I would wake up in the middle of the night and as I was laying there, kind of trying to go back to sleep, I would hear uh, footsteps in the hallway. Like, and since it's carpeting, it's not really uh, footsteps like clunking footsteps. It was like uh, like if somebody was dragging their feet. And I would just kind of lay there and listen, and it would it sounded like it was uh, farther down the hall, coming towards my room, like it was getting louder, and then. Um, yeah, I would just lay there and wait, like kind of hold my breath and like, like listen to it. And then it would stop eventually. Like I would have my head covered up with the blankets and, um, I never, like, it was never my, my sister. She was in the room down the, down the hall, but, um, the times that I would hear her go to the bathroom, like it was, it was definitely distinct from what I was hearing like this footsteps. So, you know, I can't explain it. I don't know what it was, but, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of the first thing I remember. Um, well, let me ask you, let me ask you about the, uh, the footsteps. Did she, now you said your sister made different sound footsteps. Could have been possibly any parents or anything like that. And, and that question aside, you said that the footsteps, sounded almost as if they were stepping on the shag carpet, right? Yeah, like okay. kind of dragging their feet. Like, well, just like when you walk down a, a hallway with shade carpeting, like it's shade carpeting, so you're you're bound to kind of scuff your feet against it as you're walking. So it just kind of made that sound. And, um, yeah, my, my parents, I think when I got a little older, I think I did ask, tell my mom about it. 
and she kind of her eyes got kind of big and was like um <laughs> like i you know i don't i don't think that would have been us like they if they would have come upstairs it would have been for a reason cuz their their bedroom was downstairs so um yeah it was kind of unexplainable i don't know what it was but i i just know it did it did scare me you know and so i you know i'm a i'm a spiritual person like i i believe that um, I believe that there's another dimension out there. And, um, yeah, I just kind of, as I got older, you know, I just kind of chalked it up to being something trying to scare me, something not necessarily of this world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, I would be scared too as a kid when you hear footsteps and you do the process of elimination and you know who's in the house and, you know what they sound like when they're moving around the house. Uh, I think that would scare any kid. And, I, you know, I find it funny because a lot of times this, these kind of things happen to kids. And, yeah. you know, it's just it kind of gets frustrating because it makes you feel like kids are easy targets. Yeah, it's, it's kind of maddening because it's like, man, leave the poor kids alone. <laughs> but, yeah, I totally agree. Like, I think, I think especially kids and then even some people just continuously through their life are just – more aware and more sensitive to those things and yeah i don't know so what was the next thing that happened um the next the next thing kind of chronologically that i can remember um and uh yeah um so when i was probably in my late teens probably like 18 or 19 um before I was old enough to go to the bars, uh, I would, uh, go to a 24 hour restaurant and just hang out with some friends and we would, uh, smoke cigarettes and drink coffee until the wee, wee hours in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, some of the guys that I met there, there was one guy that was, um, he was like a host and another guy was a cook there and they were friends from working together and they ended up getting an apartment together. So, <clears throat> one night I was hanging out talking to them and they were telling me about their new apartment. And, um, the one guy was like, man, I think there's something on the blinds I found. And he's like, I think it's blood. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, I think there's, there's like, it looks like something splattered on it. Like, and it totally looks like blood. So I was very intrigued and disturbed at the same time. And I was like, well, uh, mind if I come over and check it out? This sounds crazy. So um, I went I went over there one, one day, and when I went in the room, he was kind of telling me about the room and showing me different stuff. And um, sure enough, uh, there was on the blinds and the window, um, he closed them, and there was like, it looked like spray, and it was like that dark red kind of rusty color and it was like a thin liquid you know like it really did look like dried blood and the thing that was strange about it was um on the floor in front of the window there was a wooden floor um and there was like this spot where there were indentations in the floor from what looked like if you were to take those old, like, I think probably 70s, 80s um, kitchen chairs that were made out of, like, 
metal tubing. And if you had one of those that didn't have any feet on it, like any of the rubber stopper feet on them, it would, it would have just been the, the pipe, the tubing. And it looked like somebody had taken a chair like that and just picked it up and slammed it into the floor like multiple times. <laughs> and it was kind of in that one spot right in front of that window. And then he was like, hey, and look up there. And I look up at the ceiling and there's a hole in the ceiling and I'm a, I'm a gun guy, so I know what, and I'll be honest, man, it looked like, like a nine millimeter or maybe a 45 bullet hole size hole in the ceiling. And I just remember after seeing all that stuff, I'm like, man, maybe you should get a police officer to look at this stuff. Cause this is pretty crazy. So <clears throat> considering all that, he then proceeded to tell me how, I think it was one of the first times he was, he slept in the room. He got home from work. He worked the night, he worked at real late at night and he comes in in the morning and because it was like the first time, it must've been the first time he slept there because he said he came in and the light was on and he turned the light off and went over and lowered the blinds. And this is actually um, how he discovered the, the blood on the blinds was he, they didn't see it when they moved in because the blinds were pulled all the way up in that room. Well, he lowered the blinds and then he fell asleep and he, he said he woke up, he was having a dream that he was being choked. And when he woke up, he said it felt like somebody was, uh, like something was on his chest and like, like hands were around his neck choking him. And so he he like couldn't breathe and he, he was panicking and he finally got up the energy or whatever, you know, like the power to sit up and he sat up and he said the feeling went away, but he, you know, it took him a while to catch his breath. He was like coughing and he went in the, uh, went into the bathroom and he looked in the mirror and there was, um, red marks on his neck and there was nobody else in the apartment. His roommate wasn't even there. And then when he went back into the room, that's when he flipped the light on with the blinds down and he saw that blood on the blinds. And he was just like, he like ran out of there, like freaked him out so bad yeah. because he's like, he just had this crazy experience. And then on top of it, like he stood there and he looked at that, the blinds for a minute. And the longer he looked, the more he kind of realized it looked like blood and it just scared the living daylights out of him. So that would scare so that, me. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, man. did he ever contact the police? You know, I, after um, knowing those guys, it was kind of one of those like passing friendships. I don't know if they ever did get someone to go in there and look at it. Um, but one thing I do know about um, that was they said the guy's name who lived there before they did. And I knew the guy. He actually went to my high school and you know, not to uh, stereotype or anything, but he was like a, a metalhead kind of guy with like the long black hair and wore like um, Slayer t-shirts and stuff, which is fine. But he was also like a really like angry and violent person. And those guys actually knew him too. And they, they said they knew for a fact that he was like, he claimed to be a Satan worshiper. So okay. I'm like, all that together, I'm like, <laughs> 
this might be a crime scene. Maybe we shouldn't even be in here. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if the landlord even knew about it. I mean, with the blinds pulled up, if it, the landlord was just in a hurry to get somebody else in there, may never yeah. even pull the blinds down. Right. That, that'd be my guess. Because it was, it was definitely enough that it was like a mess. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, there's a couple specks there. Like, maybe that's what? I don't know. But no, it was like, it was like you see in movies, like when a gunshot goes off and it's like, you know, like sprays the wall or whatever. It was definitely a, a splatter. So, but you know, was it blood? I don't know. It just really looked like it. Yeah. Uh, before we move into the security guard friend that you had, was there any other experiences that they had in that apartment that were on the paranormal level? Like he woke up with marks around his neck. Did yep. that ever happen again? Uh, not that, but one night, um, when I was there with the other roommate who did not have that happen to him, um, I was hanging out with them. We were just watching, I think we were watching like either some animated music videos or like anime or something that he, he had. And we were just hanging out talking and the other roommate, he was at work and we were sitting there and there, it was the second story of a house. So when you walk into the front doors and the front doors are like two, they were two big, like heavy French doors, but only one of them would open, you know, for coming and going. And, um, so you'd walk, open that door and right in front of you was like this, the stairway going straight up to the upstairs, um, apartment. And it was like an extra wide stairway too. I remember it was like, it was really unusual. This wasn't like a normal, a typical house that you would think of as being converted for upper and lower living. It was almost like built that way <coughs> to be a, to be a duplex, but it was older. It was definitely an older house. And, um, so we were sitting there and, uh, we hear the door downstairs shut. So like somebody came in and shut the door. We heard the door close and then we heard, um, the footsteps of someone coming upstairs and we were sitting there kind of waiting for the door to open. And he was like, Oh, that's weird. I wonder why I think his name was, uh, Nate. It's like, I wonder why Nate's home. And we kind of sat there for a few seconds and nothing happened. So we kind of looked at each other and he was like, uh, hello. And waited a second. He's like, Nate, is that you? So when there was no answer, we, we both got up and we walked to the door and he opened the door, like flipped the, the light wasn't even on, which was also kind of weird, but he flipped the light on and opened the door and there was nothing there. And we never heard footsteps go back down. We never heard the door like open and close again. We distinctly heard the door close footsteps come up to the top of the stairs. And then that was it. Like we went, and looked and nothing was there. So we were both like, oh man, that is not normal. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a little chilling. So. Now, did you guys talk about that? What, what was his thoughts on it? Did he think it was a ghost? Yeah, he was definitely like open to that type of idea, especially considering 
I think both of them had come to accept the fact that there was something going on there. Like between um, Nate getting his, you know, being choked and just, I think maybe some other stuff. Like I think I want to say um, they heard some other noises and stuff at times. Um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely one of those situations where nobody was really in denial about it, <laughs> you know, and there, it was pretty, certain that weird stuff was happening there so yeah that I, I imagine i mean when you start putting two and two together you just kind of accept it do you know yeah. if they stayed there very long <clears throat> um i don't think so i think it wasn't too much longer after that and the one the one guy joined i think he joined the navy or something and so then they both moved out i think and i think that was only like literally a few months after they moved into it so okay yeah they weren't there very long gotcha i hope they warned the next people (laughs) probably not but no (laughs) talk to us about your security friend yeah okay um so then uh, you know probably i mean it was around that time I, i knew that that was my friend, Chris. He's a very close friend of mine, still is. And um, he worked for a security company. And he would get um, assigned to different places. Um, one of the places was uh, an old mall um, that was no longer being used as a mall, but there were some places that were like uh, office spaces. So I would go. He worked. He always got put on third shift. So I would go, uh, I worked second shift. So when I was done, I would just go hang out with him and we would just explore this empty mall and just goof around and kind of be crazy in there. And after he was done there, he actually got assigned to a hospital that was also abandoned. And, but this, there was like nothing going on there. It was just kind of sitting there waiting for, um, I think they, they ended up converting it into um, like retirement assisted living type places because um, they built a big brand new hospital. So they went in and gutted the old hospital. Um, took It looked like they pretty much took everything that could be used out of there. And then there was still a bunch of stuff left there, but they took most of it. And then I think there was a there must have been a crew that went through and removed any asbestos like tiles and stuff like that because there was a lot of like ceiling stuff that was ripped up and uh, but yeah it was I would go there and it was just him by himself there was like this little uh, guard shack where he had we call it the guard shack but it was like a room right off the main entrance that had it was all windows. And then there was um, a wall of, like, TV monitors for the cameras, and he would just sit in there. And so I went in there, and we would just go explore um, the lights in the place. I mean, if you wanted to, like, we really should have taken that opportunity to, like, do some kind of a movie or something, because it was, like, the perfect, like, zombie apocalypse set because the the yeah. you know how kind of trashed it was and um the lights that did work were like, like half of the lights didn't work 
and half the lights that actually did work would like flicker. So it was, it was definitely like, uh, the, the atmosphere you would need for getting creeped out. But, um, yeah, the first, I remember the first time something weird happened there, him and I were just kind of exploring. We went down, he told me he found the morgue. So we went down into the basement of the hospital and, um, I don't know. Have you ever watched like, uh, urbex stuff on YouTube, urban exploration? I haven't. All right. It's it, it, people go find abandoned buildings and kind of, uh, explore them. So right. when, yeah, anyway, I've seen some of those videos and it reminds me of this, but, um, but yeah, we were, we were down in the basement and we checked out where the, the morgue was. And then we, it was kind of like two, like two wings to the basement. Like if you walk down the, the stairs down, the main stairs down there, you would walk down this corridor that kind of went on a, it was kind of a inclined down. And then when you get to the bottom, you'd look left or right and there'd be like a hallway both directions that just super long hallway and then kind of rooms off of those. And so we walked down to one end and we were just kind of looking around in some of the rooms down there and we turned around and we were heading back to go back upstairs and we got about halfway. And I would say that from the, from where that, hallway was where you could look down either way where we had to get back to down to the end of the hall either direction was probably like a hundred yards like it was they were long hallways so we're about halfway back and from behind where we just were and there was nobody else in there it's in the basement there's no no drafts you know there's no like wind moving through there all of a sudden we hear one of the huge heavy metal doors to one of the rooms back behind where we just were slammed like insanely loud and uh my my brave uh security guard friend he just took off running like full speed like it I, sw- I almost feel like he was running before it even slammed. That's how quick <laughs> he jumped into action. But he took off running, and, you know, I, it, it definitely made me jump. But, you know, I guess part of my background is that, you know, I, I am a Christian, and I just feel like when it comes to this kind of stuff, uh, I tend, as opposed to kind of tending towards it being like a disembodied spirit or whatever from a person who died there i look at a lot of that stuff as like a little like definitely spiritual but more from the demonic realm and i think um it's just there was something and i guess the reason i say that is because my experience at that moment was like an instant uh sense of peace because i know who i belong to and i just like I just started laughing and he, my friend, Chris, he turns around and he looks back at me. You know, he's about 20 yards down the hall from me. He turns around and looks cause I'm laughing. He's like, dude, what are you, why are you laughing? And I'm like, man, it's fine. It's, it's not going to hurt us. It's okay. Like you're, it's okay. We don't have to 
So anyway, it was just, it was funny, but at the same time it was disturbing because I mean, I don't have an explanation for it other than something other, you know, something else was down there messing with us. So we kind of talked about it a little bit we went back upstairs and that was kind of it. Um, and then let's see. I think the next thing that happened was when he was by himself. He told me about it later. He was there by himself sitting in his little guard cage and just down the hall from, from their security office, they had another room set up with um, a table that had like a, uh, a coffee maker and um, like hot cocoa and a bunch of other stuff. And he said he got up and walked down there. And when he walked into the room, he said he went over and he, just as he went to pick up one of the cups, like he picked up, they were styrofoam cups. He picked up a cup and um, he said, Instantly, he felt like the room dropped like 20 degrees, like your classic, you know, your classic story of yeah. a haunted. Like the room temperature dropped like 20 degrees, and he said he, that was kind of, it was weird, but it didn't like, he didn't, he, but he definitely felt strange. So he went to, um, oh, I'm sorry, at that point then he had the, the cup in his hand and he said he felt as if something pushed against the, like the cup was pushing into his hand and he, so he opened his hand to drop the cup and the cup stayed in his hand. And it was like, if you can imagine the force of if somebody put their hand down in the cup and like pushed with their fingers against his hand, he said his hand actually moved like a few inches to the side from the pressure that was being pushed against it. And it scared him so bad. Like he just shook his hand and the cup finally fell and he ran back to the security office and just locked himself in there. And he didn't do any of the rounds that he's supposed to do that night. He just like, he was like, I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to come back here the next time I have to work. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, are you sure it wasn't? Uh, so I played, you know, skeptic and I was like, are you sure it wasn't just like, cause you know, styrofoam cups, static. Maybe it was like a little static was keeping the cup on his hand. He's like, dude, I know what static is. And he's like, this was not static. It was something was pushing that cup into my hand. And you know, I don't know. It's, I believe him though. He, when he, even when he was telling it, he was like, I could tell he was like getting shook up just thinking about it. Cause he like, after he was done, he was like, Ugh, like kind of shivered and was like, Oh, I hate, Ugh, I hate thinking about it. You know? Yeah. So I think if I was me, I probably wouldn't go back there to work, but <laughs> I mean, I just don't like being messed with I, this period. If you're messing with me, I, I'd rather just, I'd rather find a new place to work. So, I know, man, and, and you know, I gotta give him credit because he, as as scared as he was, always about that stuff. And like, whenever I was there, we'd we'd talk about stuff, and he'd be like, he kind of joked about being um, like the wimpiest security guard in the world. <laughs> he's like, 
dude, if, if anything ever serious went down, he's like, what do I have? He's like, I've got a flashlight and some keys. He's like, I'm just going to throw my <laughs> keys at whatever and run. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's about all I can do. So, so, all right. That was with your security guard friend at yep. the, I believe it was an old hospital, right? Yep. Okay. So what happened with the UFOs? Um, yeah, with the, let's see, I guess the first thing I could tell you about, um, my dad, he actually had, um, a few different interesting, like the first one is from back when he was in the Navy, he was, um, stationed in, or he wasn't stationed, but he was on shore leave and I believe it was San Diego. And him and one of his buddies, um, and this was back in, I would say, the early 70s. Like, it was during, like, he was in the, uh, he he was served on a nuclear submarine. And it was during, like, towards the end of Vietnam. And so it was probably very early 70s, if if not late 60s. And uh, him and one of his friends, they were out. Um, at a bar hanging out and some of the locals were talking about something and um, I guess it caught my dad's interest in it. So they were telling this story about um, this place somewhere not too far out out of the city but kind of out in the mountains. Um, There's like a canyon out there and there was an A-frame house in this canyon where these people lived who... um, would come into town like every once a month or so. And I guess these people hadn't come into town for a while. And so they sent uh, an officer out there to check on them. And when he didn't come back, they sent like a larger force of people out there. And I guess what was found was the A-frame house was like torn apart and um, there was no sign of anybody there, like the family and the, the cop that was sent out there was gone. But they did find some rather large footprints and a the officer's gun was on the ground and there was a footprint over the gun and the gun was actually bent. Now remember, this is just a story that they heard, so... But I, I was like, that's cool. It's like a kind of like a Bigfoot story. Sounds you know? like to me. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad and his friend were like curious. So they found out where this canyon was. And one evening, one afternoon, they decided to drive out there. And so they, they got in their rental car and they drove out there. And he said there was, it was basically like a canyon where you're kind of driving the road lined one side of the canyon and it was like not not up at the top of the ridge on the one side but kind of halfway down or like you know down a little bit there was still some canyon that went up on the one side where the road was but they got to the spot where they could kind of pull off and they found they saw like the old wreckage of this or the the ruins of this house that was down there so they actually found this location and 
they were just kind of hanging out and, he, and my dad said like the sun had gone down like it would it was just when the sun was going down when they got there so they got out of the car and they were just kind of sitting on the car uh hanging out and it was it was getting it was pretty much dark then and um and I always, you know, I, I asked him when he told me, I was like, so be honest with me, were you guys drinking or, you know, doing any drugs or anything? And, and he said they hadn't done, they hadn't been drinking or doing any drugs, like he, but they did have a six pack and they had both just cracked open the first beer and they were sitting there and all of a sudden on the, on the one side of the canyon up above the, the, the ridge, they saw a light and they were both kind of, it was, it kind of just appeared out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden there was this light and they were like, huh, that's weird. Is that, is that like a, you know, they were trying to figure out if it was like the, a star or the moon. They're like, no, nah, it's too big to be a star. And it was, um, uh, they ruled it out being the moon and whatever, but they're kind of looking at it. And, he, and my dad said, like, it was almost as if like once they noticed it and were looking at it, that's when it it started to move. So it actually started going down the side of the Canyon. So it was going, it started descending down that, that side. And they're sitting there kind of watching this and they're trying to, at this point they're getting really confused because, you know, they couldn't hear anything. They were like trying to figure out like, is that a helicopter or, you know, like, what is that? So, um, they couldn't hear any noise and it's just kind of going steady speed down the side of this Canyon. And it did, he said it did kind of move side to side. Um, and a little bit, but he said it always, he described it as if like, uh, like if you had a headlight pointed directly at you, like that was kind of the, what it looked like. And he said it, it continually looked like that. Like it never looked like it pointed in a different direction. It just stayed consistent the whole way down and then it kind of weaved through there's like rocks and trees and stuff he's like so there's no way it was a helicopter because helicopters would crash like if they attempted insane maneuvers like that but it's coming down as it got to the bottom uh, you know they start they started to get kind of nervous about it because they're like what is this and it was heading it started heading it was like basically going right for them so they um as it as it got to the bottom and it kind of like disappeared like they couldn't see it anymore but they could tell it was still coming towards them like over the edge where they could see they couldn't it disappeared so they decided to book it out of there so they jumped in the car and took off as fast as I think he said it was like kind of a junky little Toyota or something. And so they floored it and, you know, wasn't that impressed with how fast it went. He wished it would have gone a little faster. So they they took off and, you know, they got just a little bit down the road and they were, you know, looking behind the car and this thing came up onto the road still like it was pointing at them and it, chased behind them like it was following them and it almost it like it was like coming and my dad was like freaking out and just before it would have like got to them he said it went up and over and like out of sight on the uh, like up the rest of the, the way on that side of the canyon 
and that's his story. I'm <laughs> Did he ever yeah. say that he saw any kind of physical object other than the light? Nope. It was just the light. Yep. Wow. That's, that reminds me of a story that I heard. I think it was episode two. Uh, I believe Roger, when he was looking with his buddy, it was nighttime and they saw a light. And I think he said once they acknowledged the light, it seemed like it knew they, they saw it yeah. and it actually came towards them. And he actually uh, saw it up close, like very up close. And um, it's incredible <laughs> stuff, man. Like, yeah. You know, people describe these things as discs or triangles. Uh, I had a guy on the show who described it the size of a football stadium. I mean, yeah. that's incredible. So these things are very, you know, unidentified, you know? So. Yeah. In many ways, like, and they, they vary so much, you know, from, from one story to the next, but yet there is consistency. That's, that's the crazy thing. It's like you have stories about the triangle ones and there's tons of stories about those. And then there's also a lot of stories that are very similar to what my dad saw. And so I, you know, are they all related? I, I don't know. I, I tend to think so, but you know, yeah, unidentified. (laughs) Yeah. Now, did your dad ever tell you any more information about that first story that got him out there? Because I'm curious, did they ever find the police officer? I mean, no, you know, that that's kind of all he remembers of the story. And I told him, I was like, you know, what would be cool is to try to like figure out where, you know, and he doesn't even remember like the name of the canyon or anything. Cause I was like, that'd be cool to go back to like that year and maybe try to find like a newspaper article or something about this story that they were talking about. Um, but yeah, no, there was, that was pretty much all the information he had was just kind of that secondhand story about the details that he did get. So, wow. That uh, must be scary. It must be scary when you're getting pretty much chased by some of these things. Yeah, man. I, man, it gives me chills. And I, I just, I love when he tells the story just because it's like, you just almost hurt your brain trying to figure out what it could have been. And there's just no explanation, you know? Yeah. So, so. I think you had one more story, right? One more yeah. UFO story? Yep. For my, um, uh, Actually, my dad saw a couple more, uh, which, you know, I don't, you know, he doesn't go out looking for this stuff. He just happened to be at work on two separate occasions. He saw one where he was, uh, he worked at a printing company and they would go out on this uh, fire escape that was pretty high up. So you could kind of see over the, over the city, you know, there's kind of like a, a good view up there and they would go get some fresh air out there. And he was standing out there and he saw kind of in the direction of the lake. This was in, um, I lived in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So, um, this was over Lake Winnebago and, um, he saw a light in the sky that was very bright and, um, it's, he said all of a sudden it just dropped straight down. Like it just went straight down. And he was very confused by that. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what that was. 
and then and but that was like kind of a bright whitish light and then on a separate occasion he was standing out there again and he actually saw what i think a lot of people kind of refer to as the orbs where yeah. and this sounds actually very similar to the the one that i saw that i'll tell you about but um he said he watched over from one direction and he could he named the street where it came from but he said all of a sudden on the corner of his eye he saw something he looked and it was uh like a ball he said it was like a glowing like greenish blue ball that was traveling like down the street above the ground down the street and it went down and it went between a couple of buildings and then it disappeared and he's like it just moved at a steady kind of a you know not slow, but not fast, you know, just a steady pace and just kind of disappeared. And again, he's kind of just left scratching his head. So there was that. And, um, my mom has seen a couple, um, she's had a couple different experiences. Um, I guess the, I'll just tell you the, the biggest one, uh, was one night she was at my sister's apartment. Um, I think it was, um, 2000 was it early or mid 2000s and she was at she was at her apartment and it had just I think it was like just after sunset and she was leaving her apartment it was in February I believe so it was winter and she walked out to her car and her car was like she had to walk south to her car and in the west to her right um she kind of saw like light and so she looked up and she saw um i think she said it was five lights in a row that were like in the sky and she said that it just seemed strange so she kind of stopped and looked and she was kind of trying to figure out well, what is that? You know? And so she's looking at these, these lights and she said, all of a sudden it after. So again, like after she's looking at it now for several seconds, they were stationary. And all of a sudden she said, they started moving in her direction. Like, I'm not exactly like sure like what she means if it like was moving directly at her or just kind of she could tell they were moving east in the sky but towards like directly towards her and they were coming really fast like they're kind of steady and then i think she said they got uh, they got faster and then she said at at this point she said she felt she felt fear set in that this, whatever this was, was going to crash into her. Like that's kind of the feeling she got from the direction these things were moving. And she was really tr straining to see like what was between the lights. Like if she could make out like any kind of a, like what, like a plane or a craft, you know, like something connecting the lights and, um, she, she can't remember if she ever did, but she said all like, as they were coming and to, at the point where she like, she kind of closed her eyes and just braced for impact. Like that's how crazy this was. 
And she said nothing happened. So she looked up and there was nothing. So she was obviously shaken up by this. So she goes back in to my sister's apartment and she was like, uh, my sister was on the phone and she was like, Jen, Jen, get off the phone. I got to tell you something. Like, I just saw something you have like, so my, my sister's like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? So she hangs up the phone and my mom explains what she just saw to her. And my sister was kind of like, okay. And so they went around, so they were going around to the different windows, looking up into the sky to see if they could see this thing again. And my mom had told her kind of what direction this thing was in. And, um, so, uh, my sister actually had the window that faced West was behind a couch that she had. So she was like standing on the couch and she was kind of ducking down, you know, looking up into, you know, seeing, trying to get the best angle to look up in the sky. And I guess as, as she was able to kind of look up, she suddenly said, Oh my gosh, is that it? And my mom went over there and she looked out the window and she's like, yes, that's it. And so here, this string, this, you know, these five lights, or I think it was five were back over. And uh, like, it scared my sister. Like she, cause it was again, very strange. Like it didn't look like anything and that sh- she could recognize. So she, she actually jumped back off the couch cause she was startled by it. And she ended up hurting her foot <laughs> doing that. But, you know, the thing that was, that's cool about that is that my sister and my mom both saw it. So yeah, I think in those situations, it's so nice to have that second person see it so that you can be like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like I saw that, you know? And yeah, that was, that was kind of the, the craziest one. Yeah. That's incredible. Now, did your mom say that she heard anything as, as it was coming closer to her? Yeah. No noise, nothing like that and it was like a real still clear um I'm trying to think if it was i think it was overcast too so that was the other thing that really made it strange too was that or ruled out being stars or anything because it was overcast wow yeah so let me ask you a question here yeah. when it comes to ufos what do you think people are seeing now i think that there could be several things going on here uh i hear a lot of different stories but according to what your dad described to you and what your mom described to you and what you've looked into this far along your path what do you think these things are um well i mean I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty solid in, in my faith and what I, what I believe about, um, the Bible being, um, the truth and being, um, the word of God. And, um, there's enough, enough in there that, um, that has shown that, that I guess I have come to see as, as truth just based on, um, prophecy and various things uh that that just prove the the bible and and what it says and just 
kind of God's work in my own life. And I just see the, um, I see a lot of stuff as kind of black and white. You know, I don't think that there's kind of this, I don't think God has left stuff out that we, that we can't, I I think there's some stuff that obviously um, it's not explicitly in the Bible, but I do believe that the Bible gives us an indication on, on things of the supernatural. And I kind of tend towards, um, if it's not from God, if it's not glorifying God, if it's not, um, you know, something supernatural, that's, that's like, I guess along the lines of like miracles or something like that. If it's something that scares you or something that, um, kind of, is deceptive and I just I just tend towards believing that that is something from the the other side of that equation um, and so I would say that some of the UFO stuff out there that people see may be some kind of technology Um, I'm kind of in the camp where I do believe that a lot of the real high-tech stuff that we have could potentially be some kind of fallen angel technology. I mean, it's just when you look at the the rate at which um, technology has just soared over the last hundred years um, exponentially, it's just – it's hard not to think that there's something – influencing that or or kind of feeding that technology that knowledge to us as 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 humans i don't know there's a lot of people that say well that's that it's aliens but i guess it's been my personal experience that i don't i don't believe that aliens from another planet are visiting us i think that's i think that's um I don't know. I think it's a deception. And some of the lights, I think, are, I don't know what the purpose of it would be, but I do believe that it's from that, kind of that dimension, like it's kind of extra dimensional, you know, like something that's going on that we can't see. And I, you know, because I do believe that that there's a a spiritual world, that there's there's kind of a, a battle going on right now for for humanity. And I think that maybe some of that might be part of that. I, I really don't know a hundred percent, but that's just my, my gut feeling on it. Um, I got you. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I hear different theories all the time and, you know, anywhere from what you have said to, uh, you know, government aircraft that we don't know about yet, uh, yeah. to, you know, UFOs being yeah. alien and things like that. I mean, one thing's for sure is this, that you mentioned the last hundred years, how technology has advanced. I mean, scratch the last hundred years, just do the last 15 years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's incredible. It's 15 years ago, what we're doing here wasn't even yeah. thought of, you know? It was on, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, man, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing some of your experiences with the group of people that we have listening tonight. And, uh, you know, if you ever have anything you'd like to share, just you know, give me a call. Yeah. Will right. do. All right, man. I'll talk to you later.
Yeah, thanks, man. Bye. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. And I hope you enjoyed the perspective that Steve was able to offer tonight. You know, he didn't experience all the things he shared, but rather the people around him did. They shared the story with him, and he was able to relay the story back to us. And that's what I mean. A lot of people experience the unexplained in life, yet they don't talk about it. And that's what this show is about, presenting a platform for people to share their encounter stories in a comfortable way without being judged. If you have an experience that you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and email me at theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com or go to the website theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and email me that way as well. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, and when you do, give us a follow and a like. You can look me up on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter. My Instagram and Twitter handle is Tony underscore Merkel. It's the same for both of them, Tony underscore Merkel. Until next week, friends. Take care. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I'm a king of rock. There is none higher. Sire MCs to call me sire. To burn my kingdom, you must use fire. I won't stop rock until I retire. Now we're wrapped up.
Storm. 